0: All right. Here we are. Let me just check the volume on this. Okay, looks good. All right. Um so how is everyone doing today? So this is our last class. Whoa, there we go. Our last class before the break. So this is nice. I uh, we have when we get back head of gambler um and then check off um so let's talk about the, the end game here of class. So I think the papers is due. Let me just bring up the syllabus so and I can tell you 12 uh, seven. So that gives you about 17 days to do it. That is Monday. So we have we have a week of Thanksgiving, then we have the second week of um, December, and then the paper is due that Monday, and then I think finals are the week after that, yeah, and then you you can go home for a little while, Um, can anybody, can everybody see what day their final is, or is that something only I have access to? Okay. All right. So as long as you guys know it, I'm not gonna. You you could look it up on your own. I'm sorry. So it's if you go into like student net ID, and go into the the student page. You could you should be able to see where the. Uh, there it is. You should be able to see where the finals are. Let me see if I can bring it up. So you have you like Net ID and go into the student admin, um, and then log on, and then wait an unusual period of time, uh, and then from there you would go to self service. You could go to probably for you guys student center and it gives you um, the finals for your different courses. So for this course it's Friday at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And that is the that's the final time. So that's Friday the 18th. So it is, uh, you know, one week after Hanukkah, so um, a month from from today. All right. So if anybody has, uh, if that that's how you would go and find that. But since you don't, since you don't have to go to a particular room, you you now know you know, it's that Friday, eight to ten. Um, I'm gonna put together a study guide over the 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 week, uh, and I think we what we'll do is I'll just distribute it uh, on online like 10 to 8 or something like that, and then you guys got to email it back to me by 10 o'clock. All right. And there's going to be some kind of short answer essay type things in it, and that will be that. Will be that. Okay. Um yeah, and so in terms of if you want to start preparing a little earlier than that, I would say put more of your energy into the the final paper if you're gonna do some work in in this class over the break. But if you're gonna put some energy into that, looking back over um, you know, what happened in each play. Right? Getting getting the plots and characters in line so that you can talk about them in kind of an intelligent way. You also want to think in terms of clusters or groups of two or three, so that you are thinking of uh, how these plays relate to one another. And so there's some natural clusters, right? Our German section sort of works together. You know, Enlightenment into into Romanticism. Um, the These three plays are working together well. It's kind of like the development of realism. You know, you, you could talk about that. Um, You could talk about, uh, for example, um, the misanthrope and the country wife and kind of, and the triumph of love. These are kind of different views of the upper class. You could talk about, you know, the Shakespeare plays and, um, you know, kind of the Shakespeare comedy or the comedy aspects and, uh, let's see, and um, the Braggart soldier. They, you know, so thinking in terms of two groups of two or three, and what kind of common themes exist between them, and that should be that should be a, a good place to start. But really, kind of getting, you know, knowing what the what these plays what was going on in these plays is important. Okay, uh, any questions about what's coming up? Okay, Um, very good. So, looking at the assignment that's due on the 7th, you know, we've covered the thesis, um, we've covered sources, and when we we get back, we'll do more on the 3rd, the 3rd graded aspect, which is the support. Um, And here you're going to be Kind of laying out your your paragraphs and how each paragraph furthers an element of your claim, and so we'll talk about that more in terms of right, working on the paper over over the week break. Uh, you know, you have you still have a bit of you know you have more than two weeks to do this, but uh, so you have time. Um, but I would say having a general thesis a really general thesis like a thesis that wouldn't get a good grade but that you could start with um is what you should be thinking about right now and then over the break what will help is grabbing um grabbing those sources that make it a little easier to to talk about and so that might be there might be something is finding one or two sources and reading them so that you know kind of what the discussion is during the break All right, um, you know, but outside of that, we will, uh, we will, of course, talk about the, you know, these, um, the uses of the sources, the support section, uh, when we get back. But today, we're going to finish up our section on Under the Gaslight and Melodrama. Um, what I am interested in, in talking about today, you know, obviously want to hear from you guys, um... But the elements of, of kind of class that are going on here, um, how individuality conflicts or deals with class, and then I want to talk a little bit about um, performance as well and what you guys see in performance. And so, because it's Friday and it's the last day, of the, the last day before the break, um, I think let's start by watching a movie. Watch like a twelve-minute movie. Now I'm going to share it with you guys. If it if the quality is really bad, we're we're going to stop. because that doesn't serve any good. Um, but we're going to watch a D.W. Griffith film. I think that's mentioned on the syllabus, so we'll watch that together. Um, I didn't make you watch it on your own because let's you know. <laughs> I think today we can all kind of maybe take it a little easy. Um, but we'll we'll watch it. And what I'm interested in talking about is uh first of all how the kind of class system is examined in this in this film and how that's similar to under the gaslight and the second thing which is particular to this this film because we can see the performances we can't with this with this script is how performance works and you and I want you to start with your honest response to the performance right it's kind of hard to talk about how performance works immediately from watching something but let's start with your honest response to how this looks and what we're going to do is we're going to watch a movie called Me, it's still loading this is not a good sign because I tried to load this before we started today so um oh oh it's it's happening okay good so the uh let me spy find my my minutes here okay the movie is called The Wheat King. It's it's starting. So, bear with me. We're we're having technical technical fun. Let's call it technical fun. That makes everything better. Um, but it is a D.W. Griffith film called The Wheat King, and uh, made by Biograph Films in the nineteen teens. I I think it's nineteen eleven the movie was made um and yeah and it is um one of the early films of D.W. Griffith who later becomes known as sort of the the father of modern film i'm i'm kind of taking my time talking because i'm trying to get this thing to work so my apologies uh, but so D.W. Griffith he initially starts as a silent film director. He's really, even before that, working in the theater as an actor. And he kind of fails as an actor. And he gets hired by Biograph as one of their two directors. And this is back when you... um, There it is. Okay. This is back when... Directors, uh, rather, film studios own theaters, and so what you had to do was produce a lot of movies to fill up the theaters, because it wasn't, it wasn't like a movie studio was making movies for your movie theaters. If you had a movie theater, you had to f- find those movies to put them in there, and typically, you made them, and so Biograph was no exception. So they hired a number of actors, um, two directors, Griffith was was not initially one of them they one director left and then he recommended Griffith, who was a a kind of a small a smaller actor in the company, not none in stature, but smaller in terms of the roles he played. and he was promoted and um he ended up becoming uh quite famous in the middle of the nineteen teens for developing. Um, the, the kind of the modern movie and the modern American movie you know with its pacing and its length comes out of melodrama D.W. Griffith yes is also very controversial for his kind of depictions of of race um, you know so that's probably what most people know him for but he's also a, a person at the intersection of this melodramatic form which is very popular in America and the expansion and use of modern technology, which is very popular in America and also very popular in melodrama, right? As we learned, melodrama sort of feeds on on spectacle, on doing really cool things. And so it becomes kind of a natural fit for, for early American cinema. So let's take a look at it. And I I will need people to, to chime up to, you know, turn on your mic and tell me if you can't see it or if it's spotty or something like that. And we, we can do the class without it if that's the case, but please, please also tell me if it, if it's working fine. Corner in wheat. I'm sorry. Okay, so that was that so let's talk about um in terms of of the plot and all that uh what are some of the the similarities between that film and that's a little loud uh let the similarities between that film and uh under the gaslight what do we see in terms of um Uh, kind of class depiction and things like that. Okay, so, so with this movie and with Under the Gaslight, um, th- there's something very different when we compare this to, let's say, the misanthrope, right? What's a, what would be a major difference between um, the, the melodramas that we're looking at and Moliere, for example? So we so some of the differences might be for example in, in moliere we in and, and the the kind of French neoclassical form according to the you know the kind of the grand rules that emerged from the Académie, was that you can only depict um, depict people of a certain class right so with the the play with well, you know, the, uh, the with the misanthrope, you'd really only be able to show kind of upper class people engaging with one another, and then the, the lower class people tend to be servants. They tend to be functionaries in the plot. Um, with with the melodrama, we see much more of a mixing of those things. Um, we can see in under the gaslight there is. A um, you know, a, a sort of uh, upper class to lower class back to upper class story, right? It's kind of the, the V development. Uh, Laura gets brought down low of, of no fault of her own, and then she gets raised back up again again of really no fault of her own. However, we know she deserves this because she, she demonstrates virtue. Um, how do we see the kind of class interactions in this movie?
1: Um, I'd say they were pretty separate. Okay. And like, the rich were celebrating and the poor, people were kind of like, <laughs> more like in despair because there was like a lack of flour.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, so there is uh, a very fine separation between the groups, um, but they're they're connected in what way? Hmm. Exactly. So there, there's this kind of um, economic critique that's going on there. You know, we have, because uh, the rich people are making money in what way? What market are we specifically looking at? So the the main guy is called the Wheat King. That's his nickname.
1: So they're making money off of, like, the wheat.
0: Yeah, it's the wheat market. Exactly. That's that's what he... That's the market in the end when he gets the letter. You know, <laughs> this bizarre letter. It says, You have four million dollars. You now control the market. Which is how business works, I'm sure. Um, it's... He controls the wheat market. And so what you're seeing is a connection between people who can't eat because bread's too expensive or too scarce um, and somebody who's making money off that, right? And and so there's this, um, this separation of classes, I think what you're, you're saying, Christina, which is true, but there's also a, a connection in the sense that there's this um, understanding of a, a causal connection you know that we that one thing is connected to the other um, that the 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 actions of the upper class spill out into the lower class right they they're, they're consequated in the in the lower class um, okay so we have we have that going on how can we compare that to under the gaslight
1: rich people were like super well off and then like the poor people were basically like had absolutely nothing and were like struggling to survive.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, we see that this is in the uh, act two scene one, the, the court scene on page 31. We see that type of thing. Um, the The kind of struggle to survive. The sort of the dealings that the lower class has to have. It, it doesn't seem to be consequentially related in Under the Gaslight, in the sense that Under the Gaslight sort of, um, you know, shows these kind of two different worlds, and they're sort of interacting with each other, uh, and people of the lower class can be both virtuous, um, but also bad. So Snorky is our, our virtuous guy, right? He's He's the embodiment of all that's good. And then, of course, um, you know, old Judas and uh, Bythe are the, the villains. Um, but if we could go to, to page 31, you could see this sort of the, uh, the operation of class or the operation, of uh, you know, the, the kind of commentary, let's say, that the melodrama is making in Under the Gaslight. If I could go to that. If people can can kind of turn to that then. Yeah, it's second scene. And then it's the top of, uh, uh, excuse me. It looks like it is, uh, 30, sorry, 30 in the PDF, not 31. And we could see here fix my volume um we're at court right and we have uh, we have a number of claimants who come to the court and we have this kind of uh, lawyer who is taking advantage of them splint and so what are what kind of people are coming to to court in this in this scene. You take a moment to read it over.
1: they have mostly poor people coming in like there was a pickpocket and like I think he was like an Italian immigrant or something mm-hmm.
0: yeah we have so we have an, an immigrant um, yeah Rafe who is uh, a referdy is his full name um, who is uh, I don't know if he's a pickpocket complaint of disturbing the neighborhood um, and the complaint has to do with him uh, kind of playing the, this organ music. Organ is like a, a, something, it's more like an accordion, right? That That's what he's doing. And he has his kind of uh, monkey with him. Um, and so he's paid the, the lawyer to, to get him off. So we have that. So we have um, him being pulled in for kind of disrupting the neighborhood. And who else do we have here? We have a character we've actually met before And that's Sam And He is in trouble for What?
1: if you're being like drunk and disorderly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He's drunk and disorderly. And he is, um... And what happens to him? Don't they send
1: him in jail for like 10 days?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And his response is kind of, you know, <laughs> uh civil rights bill, right? He kind of, um, you know, he kind of holds that up and th- it's sort of ignored, right? I mean, he doesn't literally hold it up, but he he cites that and that is, that's ignored um, and he's kind of dragged away and this is before Bike enters with Laura. And so we're kind of given, in scenes like this, you're sort of given this sort of social, snapshot of the these kind of um these kind of disrupting or the this these lower classes and some of the problems they are they're dealing with and that is um that's kind of par for the course and we could see that when it comes to to early american film that this type of thing, the the realism that was invested in making melodramas better, and then what we might think of as the social realism, which is, you know, not exactly what would later become social realism that you'd see in, like, the Soviet Union, things like that, but uh, a depiction of the the difficulty of kind of poor people, of people of lower orders, right? All of this is... Uh, It kind of filters its way into early movies and becomes part of the basis of uh, how American movies are established, Um, and movies generally. I mean, up to that point, what do you see with movies are they're kind of, um, they're technical demonstrations. So you'll see, um, you know, like the Lumiere brothers have a train drive at you, and everybody's You know, thrilled by this because they hadn't seen something like this Uh, The Man with the Movie Camera is another short film from the early days of cinema where you just see a number of kind of visual displays but once it starts becoming about narrative you either have the kind of highly experimental camp of some directors or you have um, the D.W. Griffith camp which is much more interested in kind of social problems but also realism however it's done or filtered through this genre of of melodrama and this is kind of the uh this is the source here or one of the sources is this kind of developing form that we see so another thing i want to talk about with the movie because you know we've now seen performances of melodrama and um you can find videos of other performances of more famous people like sandra bernhardt was a famous actress who, who use this kind of melodramatic form. Um, what did you guys think of the performance? Just kind of v- the performances in the, that short film, just sort of viscerally. What did you take away from them?
1: just pretty like basic they didn't even have to
0: talk so okay yeah so they're they're not talking right so we don't we don't get their voice and you know that that's fine we're not going to get like 19th century style acting recorded for for the most part or vocally recorded um but what about the the performances generally how do they let's say differ from realistic actors of today
1: I don't
2: know they're very like animated,
0: I guess mhm yeah, yeah they they're they're very they're very big, right you, you have gesture is a big part of of these performances um and that would probably be true of this play and other melodramas like it um, and so the you know communicating an emotion. Ends up being really important for melodrama actors. Uh, one scene that that stuck out to me in in rewatching this now with you was the guy who goes in to see the the cotton the, excuse me the wheat king, and you know, I guess he's lost his money and he does this thing and kind of walks out the door, you know, grabbing his head and dabbing dabbing his forehead. Um, you know that that kind of communicates to us pretty directly that. You know, he's he's in a bit of trouble and exasperated. Um, and so th- th- these kind of emotions of the moment are what's important to communicate. And you can see this also comes from the stage. The stage would have to, because it's a stage, we're not right there on top of them. Uh, you know, you'd have to kind of go big or go home, right? In order for the house to see you. Um, but more than that, What's interesting is actors seem at this point and in, in kind of the history of performance not to be necessarily interested in the nuances of social behavior. Uh, that that's not necessarily the, the most important thing is entirely embodying um, proper or realistic behavior. Like we'll see in these next next two weeks of class or the last two weeks of class, they're um, not really interested in unconscious motivation that's not that's not in we'll see that with ibsen and chekhov definitely um but they wanted to demonstrate or signal the emotion they were feeling so when we look at under the gaslight and look at these different scenes you know the the big emotion that they're feeling is important um and this is ends up when the realists come in after this people who actually think of themselves as realists and not just churning out plays to make money this is what they they fight against. they kind of keep the the realism of melodrama, but they disregard the um the kind of demonstration or signal of emotion in favor of the exploration of the subconscious and and motivation that becomes a big thing. How do you motivate an action um, yeah, and so. This ends up becoming thought of as mimicry, what the performers were doing here. Okay, and so that's the idea. Last thing I want to want to talk about then, uh, before we go, because we don't have that much time, is the the most famous melodrama scene, which is the um, which is on page fifty two, and it's the train scene, right? So, what ends up happening in that scene? Just general in terms of plot.
1: Are you talking about the one from the gaslight where, like, Mm
0: -hmm. uh...
1: Lauren is or Laura,
0: she's like in the closet or whatever. Yeah, she's she's in a a train car. Uh not excuse me, not a train car. She's in the um like the place where they store the luggage. Is sort of a, a neck for the trains. Um it's also conveniently where they store all the axes because apparently they need a lot of axes to operate the train. Um And so she talks to the signal person. She has nowhere to stay and they kind of lock her in there. And um, Bike comes along and Snorky's following him. And uh, what does what does Bike do to Snorky? Bike catches Snorky. And what does he do?
1: Well, he ties him up and puts him on the train tracks.
0: Yeah, exactly. So he ties him to the train tracks, which is the first time in history in which we have that happen, right? The, the villain who ties the good person uh, to the train tracks, this is... The first time in history this has happened and you know <laughs> um, and and this started a big trend and so naturally because she's locked in a uh locked in a closet um she needs to f- save snorky fortunately uh we know there's a bunch of axes in there for for some reason and so she breaks out and she saves him and snorky's responses how does the scene end what does snorky say So Snorky, the last thing he says before we go into act four is um, victory saved. Hooray. And these are the women who ain't to have a vote. Right. So the the idea ends up being that there's this sort of um, this uh, 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 suffrage sort of thing, message um, indicator, however you want to, to describe it tagged on to the end of this this scene and you know you get the the most melodramatic moment right the the moment that's most exciting um, the moment that's imitated the most that's what people remember from this play is Snorky being (laughs) tied to the train tracks and we saw that picture from the presentation of a play from the first decade of the 20th century in which we see again a train with somebody tied to a train tracks right and and a, a British production in that case um but what ends up happening here is the the sort of um technical innovation that we see that really exciting dramatic scene um that the the uh, um more decorated more elaborate staging allows for we're able to stage a train on tracks in the theater at this time um it's also kind of connected to this sort of abolitionist spirit. And so there is there is in melodrama, what we'll, we'll take away from this is, and what I, hopefully you'll take away from this is, even though now looking back on melodrama, we think of it as a, um, a, a somewhat crusty form. I mean, I think Shakespeare feels far more modern and far more alive than a lot of these, like the silent film we just saw or even this. Um, what What really melodrama does is Invest deeply in modernity in the modern both the kind of the the politics of it but also the technical aspects of it as well as the the sort of upwardly mobile people sitting in the audience and so that's that's kind of the the idea of of melodrama right The, the the kind of takeaway and with that we'll be Done for today, and then we will carry this idea of realism uh, and what realism can do into Henry Ibsen. All right, and I'll see you then. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.